are now tuned into DAR Sports Media, and we have a very special guest tonight. We have the president of professional wrestling. We have the general manager of MCW, Maryland Championship Wrestler, hashtag trust in Phil. It is Phil Stamper. What's up, Phil? Thank you for coming on. Not much. Thank you for having me. One one already quick point of clarification. So MCW, a couple of years ago, rebranded itself because they weren't just staying inside of Maryland anymore. So they're not oh. Maryland Championship Wrestling anymore. They are now MCW Pro Wrestling because they they traveled to Virginia, Pennsylvania, Delaware, and of course, Maryland, where we're, where we're from, where our home there is. There you go. There you um, go. There you go. Established now a larger identity and brand. We even like re, uh, redid our visual branding. Um, so it's a whole new visual aesthetic now. If somebody has been there before um, and is coming back, they'd be like, oh, the color scheme is blue now, not red. Like we we did a whole uh, turnover for that because we have been growing that large. That's amazing. Okay, so right into it, let's talk a little bit about MCW Pro Wrestling. Um, where can people watch? Uh, and what would you uh, classify as the style of, of what happens down there in MCW Pro Wrestling? Um, you know, as far as, is it a mix? Is it kind of more shoot style? Is it hardcore? Is it old school? Um, where can we watch it? And what can you expect to see on MCW? Sure. So you can watch it on the premier streaming network. Brand new episodes are appearing regularly. We're also uploading previous content as well. You can also check out all of our social media, our YouTube page, Facebook page. There's lots of video content on it. You can go check it out. It is a very family-friendly crowd. Um, it is a mix, though. We, we also pride ourselves on the fact that it isn't just, uh, you know, my first thought was, I'm going to say old school wrestling, but it's not just that. Um, because we do uh, a tournament every year called the Shane Shamrock Memorial Cup. That's really like a highlight of, of cruiserweight wrestling. And that certainly isn't really old school when people think old school terms. Um, so we do have a hybrid mix. We've had intergender matches. Um, so we have also women's wrestling. Um, we have, uh, I would say, a really strong mix. But the flavor is certainly families. Um, I mean... I would say 40, 45% of our audience are kids. Um, and to me, I like that because I think one of the things that's been missing in, in wrestling is really the way a younger audience can come into it. You know, I, I grew up in the era of I can turn on, you know, USA Network in the morning and here's 9 a.m. We can watch. Uh, I can't remember if they called it Raw AM then or if that was that became what superstars became. Um, that there were a way, there was a way for you know, people to get into it for whole families, get into it for kids, get into it. And now there's not as much unless you start looking at independent wrestling. And I, so for me, I like the fact that we're opening up a door and a window um, for that group. No, that's excellent. I 100% agree. It's something I wish that there was more of and that people focused on. And it's certainly, I would say it's, it's a, it's a badge of honor and something that I would admire and definitely would want, make me want to check out the show because that is a little bit different flavor um, than what you get. In most of these places, everybody wants to be so edgy. Everybody wants to be this <clears> or that. And you're absolutely right. The entry for kids um, is, is uh, very much lacking in, in professional modern wrestling. And so that's awesome, man. That's excellent. Um, so I got that. Yeah, go ahead. I got, I got to jump in. It, it's it's funny because MCW, so like the first time, it's like 2013, 2014, I want to say. Mm -hmm. My first time actually, uh, this is when I still lived in Maryland. Um, I think, you know, seeing MC, MCW and I, you know, I'm a Baltimore native. So Joppa, Maryland was like 
a foreign country to me <laughs> at the time. So, so I'm like, I'm like, you know, I have friends, and at the time, that's like I first got into the business at the time, and they was like, man, you're in Maryland, why don't you go see MCW and da da da? And I was like, where is it? And they were like, Joppa, Maryland. I was like, oh, like Joppa Road, <laughs> like, like oh, <laughs> right. they're like, no, they're like, Joppa. I was like, oh shit, okay, now I see what you're, you know, what you're saying, and I guess, I guess my my thought was. How has it changed over the years in terms of being in Joppa? Because I know that's that's the home base, uh, yeah. you know, of MCW. But like, how has it changed over the, like the last yeah, however many years? So what's interesting is I started with MCW probably I want to say it was like six to eight months after they moved to Joppa and made Joppa like their permanent home. Yeah. Um, because before they had been running at other places, there was another flea market that they ran at. They had run at Michael's Eighth uh, Avenue, south of uh, south of Baltimore. And so they had been a little bit all over. And what they started to do when they established themselves in Joppa is they not only created a physical fan base from the local community, that they also really made their home. So like when you walk in the building, like it's branded MCW, there's old mm -hmm. uh, giant uh, vinyl uh, banners on the wall that are all of our old events. Um, we started to figure out sort of a business practice of how do we bring in if we bring in a, a you know, a, a, a WWE name an AEW name and a, a TNA name, um, how we establish them as part of the, uh, part of our event, but then lead that into be able to watch all of the wrestling we have to make people sort of hooked in on what we're doing to come back to see like what happens next. Um, and I think we created like a really solid model. And so for us, like in, in Joppa, the lowest crowd we get in Joppa is 400 people, the lowest crowd. And, and there are independent companies that beg for that kind of size. I mean, I work for other companies too. And like, oh my gosh, they would, they would go crazy for that kind of size. Um, I mean, I've been in that building when uh, we had 1500 people before. So, you, you know, we can pack that place too. Uh, and it, I think that just speaks to how well they've done with just marketing the fact that they're there. Um, as a company um, and, and even when you start looking at uh, you know the school also runs out of that facility um, the fact that they've been able to develop talent over the last 30 years you know Leo Rush to Hootie Miles Action Andretti uh, Khan so many I've, I've seen the, uh, the the advertisements for the school and it always looks like top notch can you can you tell us a little bit about the school sure uh, what's what's kind of I always use the phrase, it's funny, but it's not really funny because uh, of what happened. But when we had the pandemic, um, you know, certainly that curtailed things for a little bit. And as we were coming back and we were starting to run events again, um, you know, MCW has always had sort of a core roster of people. Plus, they make way for their own students. They have about 60 students right now. Um, and so there's multiple coaches, you know, Will Ferrara, uh, formerly who used to be involved with um, the ROH Dojo, also helps out with that school um, uh, Drolix and Ken Dixon, who are also been longtime members of MCW, have been uh, involved, also have a hand in developing and training um, some of those uh, guys and gals as well. Um, and so now we're in that place of not only do we have a regular roster, we're rotating in more and more students um, because we have this sort of like large capacity of people that we're trying to raise up and bring up um, into pro wrestling as well. That's awesome. So working with off of all of that we can kind of dig into what we usually do when we have a, a guest is we like to dig into um so you were talking a little bit about your 
entry into wrestling. So what are your first wrestling memories? What's what is the first thing you remember watching that really hooked you in? Um I I had a I had a neighbor friend that was uh they he had just moved into the neighborhood and so he was really into wrestling and so I started watching wrestling. Um I think I'm trying to remember now if I was in it into it just as he moved in or if he moved in and then I got into it. Um but I mean I remember watching things like uh I would get home and ES on ESPN Classic and there would be World Class Championship Wrestling and USWA and that grabbed me. I mean I was watching WWE and WCW but that grabbed me a little bit more and like you know Eric Embry versus Skandar Akbar that happened 15 years before I was watching it was replaying yeah. on ESPN and I was hooked. Um that's actually like got me into wrestling and like understanding sort of like what's happening and yeah um the story of it got me into it so i think i've i've kind of i've gone into this on other nostalgia episodes uh that we've had in the past do you have you checked out at all there's a section on peacock the wwe stuff it's um it's called it's just called old school and it's all of the house shows um from the local networks from like boston new york la have, have you ever checked any of that stuff out? It goes, they go all the way back into the seventies. Oh, wow. No, I actually have it on Peacock, but you know, now and again, something would release or you'd find it online. Um, but I haven't gone through Peacock to look at that. So seventies, eighties, there's, there's just miles of stuff that you're just like, what the fuck? So like um, macho man, Randy Savage, when he was the intercontinental champion before he dropped it to Ricky Steamboat at WrestleMania three, he defended it in the Boston garden against Bruno San Martino. Oh, wow. And the match is just a thing of beauty because, you know, San Martino is, is old San Martino. and Macho Man's and Macho Man's in his fucking prime. And it's like one of San Martino's last major matches. And Macho Man is just it's just bumping like a like bumping like a crazy person all over, like trying to do the best he can for San Martino. And it's just like mm-hmm. such a beautiful match. So they got people. These matches is exactly like playing into what you're talking about. Like if you want to step back because it gets a little bit blurry now in the modern age. If you want to step back and be like, what is wrestling about? Like, what are you trying to do as far as telling stories? You watch this stuff from like 80 to 86 from this section on Peacock. And it's like right there for you. Like the way that heels look like complete fucking like idiots. Like the way that they bump and they'll like, that all of them do like these crazy like, flips into the ropes and like just look stupid as hell and like these people you wouldn't expect like like i don't think a lot of people know but like jesse ventura is was amazing in the ring like he might be whatever crackpot politician now but he was fucking incredible and 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 i don't know if a lot of people realize but you watch him back then he's so good there's a guy named the duke of dorchester who's from dorchester massachusetts i'm a lifelong fan since 86, never seen this dude before in my life. He was a guy who worked in the 80s, late 70s on these house shows. And he like bumps like Ric Flair. Like it's incredible. He's so good. And so <laughs> stuff like what you're talking about, stuff like those house shows, I really, really recommend people go back, check those out. They're so fucking entertaining. They're just amazing. Um, What was the first... Okay, so that's where you started off. That's how you got into wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, when you became like a mega fan, like like what when when you're like really locked in, what was the first you know angles that you remember? First great matches that you remember? Wrestlers. I mean, I got in, I got in as they did, like Hulk Hogan versus uh, Ultimate Warrior. 
Yeah, um, yeah, like, yeah. That was one of that my was first really, two. Right. So that was really like one of my big first feuds. Um, like I said, Skander, I mean, Eric Embry and Skander Akbar hooked me, even though it had happened, you know, years before. I was really into that. Um, so you were right there with me because I always cite uh, my first two big angles that hooked me in forever was the Mega Powers and the rise of the Ultimate Warrior, which culminated WrestleMania six. I know we all feel and, and justifiably people feel a certain type of way about the Warrior now, but back then, as a, you know, as a little boy, like it just didn't get you know, take my money. It was right. over. Like when the, <laughs> the warrior doing his thing and, and, and that connection, that's awesome. If you guys could sprinkle that little, a little bit into MCW. So, uh, you know, tell us more about, you know, that, that formative time with the warrior. I mean, because it was that you felt like um, you already had this icon in Hulk Hogan and here's this sort of rising superstar in the ultimate warrior and is there like, is this the next chapter? Is there a passing of the torch? Because at the same time, you didn't get the end of Hulk Hogan. I mean, you had like the whole yeah. earthquake attacking yeah, Hogan yeah. and crushing his ribs. Ribs, you could, yeah. You could send him a card to get better and you would get, you. I, I think I got a card back. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. Like, uh I mean, there, I mean, that was such an engaging time, really. Yeah. Um. And like I said, like I was a kid and yeah. and getting in sort of that way. I don't know. I don't know now being that young, if I would have gotten in the same way somebody might get in today, if they had been the same age, like, um, you know, what else are they watching? How are they consuming it? Uh, I mean, now I'm, I'm watching a lot, a lot more wrestling via Twitter than I am, or excuse me, via X, uh, than I am watching it on television sometimes just because of um, just traveling. So you say okay. So you said you don't really watch. You don't want to watch too much else than uh, other than wrestling and uh, the stuff you're doing with MCW. Then, eh? right? Ba basically, yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I am also a ridiculous sci-fi nerd. So like, Star Trek, okay. and Doctor Who, are my jam. Uh, Hell so yeah! Like, so like, I'll catch that, and then wrestling, and like that's 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 my la Marvel stuff. I'm a big Mark IV. So best, uh, best captain, best Star Trek captain. Ooh. Yeah. That's gonna get me in so much trouble. It is. <laughs> That's why I asked it. Yeah, <laughs> put I you mean, into conflict, brother. Because this is my my th my favorite Star Trek show is Deep Space Nine. Like without a doubt. Um, okay. Yeah. I don't know if Cisco's my my favorite captain though. That's okay. Um, but so like Picard, I would say Picard. It has to be Picard. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, that was like so Picard to me is like the Keaton Batman. Like, right? There's other people. I, I'll hear arguments about it. I'll hear, but like to me, my Star Trek captain is always Picard. My Batman is always Keaton. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just during that formative time. Though I'm not going to lie, like I, I watch uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds currently on Paramount Plus. Um, and uh, Anson Mount, who is uh, yeah, Captain Pike, yeah. is mm -hmm. awesome. Like, that's what my brain was like. Is he like my captain now? Like, Oh, he, yeah. He really knocks it out of the park. Um, he really has a very strong presence. I think he does amazingly well um on that show. And he and he was on Discovery and it was his <laughs> his performance um um Ethan Peck who played uh Spock kind of their the way they interacted in that time frame and in that world got fans to rally for we won an early enterprise television show. So 
it worked so well because they did so well. So like Pike is like right up there now as my like second tier captain. Okay. Did you know about him, that actor before that uh, show? Because he's little... in a bunch of stuff that I knew him from before. Um, basically what I'm getting at is were you excited or disappointed about his appearance in the MCU? Um, I mean, well, when he was in, um, um, why am I now forgetting the name? Uh, Just because everybody human, forgot the name. Yeah. Um, and he didn't talk. That was the whole point. Like, so yeah. I wasn't disappointed because it was a continuation of that for for a little bit of the sake of like knowing where he was now and how great of an actor he is. Um, yeah. you know, it was like oh, okay, but it was a continuation from that show, and I thought that was a good throwback for um MCU to do with some of their other properties. I thought that was kind of neat. Have you um have you ever seen the show uh, Hell on Wheels? I feel like I have. So it it stars Anson Mount, and he's like a and he's a, a Wild West sheriff, and it's about the uh, well, he's not a sheriff. I'm just using that as a euphemism. Um, Wild West tough guy, and they're they're building the railroad, the trans this transcontinental railroad. That's what it's about, and it's basically kind of like Deadwood, but built around the building of the transcontinental railroad. It's a pretty damn good show. If you're into that kind of stuff, I would definitely highly recommend it. I might have to check it out then. Okay, so MCU, are you are you so you're kind of an MCU nerd? What what's your what's your take on uh now, yeah, I was gonna say this is where I can jump in. I there know, we go. I know very little about uh <laughs> Star Trek. I know Picard because I watched that a little bit. Um these days I know that there's a Star Trek on Paramount Plus. Unfortunately, uh as Eric knows, most of my TV time goes to my daughter, so <laughs> I've watched nothing but a lot of Disney Plus, which means I can talk about Marvel though. I'm I was about to ask that. I'm very curious uh about your your feelings on the MCU right now. Uh yeah. because they're entering they're entering a new, you know, new yeah. new it's a new transition. They have gone through a through a WWF ninety six year <laughs> here lately. Yes. They I do feel like they've lost a little bit of their steam, but I think that's like they lost a little bit of what made some of those movies, the earlier movies special. Like when they started to go after like Ant-Man was a heist movie. The first Captain America movie was a World War II movie. The The second Captain America America movie was a spy novel. Spy like movie, yeah. they and they lost that now. And now I do like when I say this, I like the the, the genre. I like the superhero movie genre. It's escapism. And to me, it's like I used to call it the summer movie, like. I remember people were so mad when Men in Black came out because it was like it was, or especially Men in Black Two because we were getting into the era of the three-hour movie and Men in Black Two was an hour and a half and I was like, this was great. This was yeah, a yeah, funny yeah. Movie, it was great. You could really get into it really super easy, and I and people wanted like this bigger thing, and so like we're getting that with some of the feel of, of some of the fans in the MCU. Like we want a bigger thing again, and they were trying to build all these things up, and it was like they weren't delivering both fast enough, and a lot of that had to do with the pandemic. They had to shut everything down. Um, but I think they lost some of where they were going to go. I don't know what the cause of that was, but they left out so many breadcrumbs that mm -hmm. they're not never going to capitalize on now. Like, um, there, there's yeah, a, yeah. a tease for Blade. I don't think the Blade movie is coming for two years, three years. Well, not just a not just a tease for Blade, but a tease for Black Knight, and that yeah. might not even that might not even happen. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> And uh, they they haven't resolved like what happened in Eternals. Like there's now two giant hands coming out of the earth. Like, is that because it's in a different universe and that's going to be the payoff that when we do a little bit more of the multiverse, but then that would mean Black Knight and, and Blader in another universe. So I'm not, I'm not diving full in on that yet. I, I feel like the execution of the multiverse saga in pockets has not worked well. Like 
Spider-Man worked well. Loki, it worked well, and I thought they were going to do it a little bit of a different way. I thought they were going to do Doctor uh, uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness a little bit of a different way. I was really happy that Wanda was the bad guy, though. I I, yeah. I really yeah. dug that. Yeah. Um, even though you know, I, I then I, I, a lot of people were very upset. Oh, we're not going to get a WandaVision too. Um, I think then again, I think there might still be some hope for that. To be honest, nobody's yeah. ever dead, man. Come on, come on. Right. Exactly, <laughs> know this by now. Yeah, they right. had a whole movie and, that was based around everybody dying. That right. came, came Unless back. you're Kyle Rayner's girlfriend, you will never, you will never be dead. Um, well, that, or uh, Uncle Ben. I don't, I don't, and even I don't Uncle Ben get, has another universe of himself. I don't want to get too controversial here, but uh. A certain villain is uh, probably gone for good. <laughs> um, yeah. News that happened. Re- well, no, I mean, hey, but like that's a topic to cover. Like, yeah. however you feel about it, like what the hell are they going to do now? Right. So because that the, was their franchise player. And the last <laughs> sort of rumor word I saw is that they were going to they were going to still have it be Kang, but it was going to be a, a different actor now coming in to fill that role. Um, so the funny thing. So do you you like the MCs or are you like a comic guy? Uh. A little bit of, I would say a little so bit. So you of might know what I'm about to tell you. This might not be a surprise, but people were saying like, oh, you can't recast this person. This can't, you can't recast. And I said, well, I have a surprise for you. Is that that's like King's thing in the, in the comics is he can be anyone. They, in the, in the movies, they just made them all different versions of Jonathan Majors. But in the comics, he right. literally can be any, anyone, any person. He can take take any form, so like it's literally the most recastable possible position that you can have. Um, so okay, I mean, I guess that's not a that's not a bad a bad look. Okay, so there we go. We'll hit you with this best MCU movie, the first Avengers movie. The, the first one, the, the Josh Whedon one. Oh yeah. my gosh, you got the you have to <laughs> that, is, that. It, that is that is that's interesting. That you're gonna have to break down that. You're gonna break down that take that take for us. Because for me, that was you know that's the first time you're really bringing everybody together. There's this big threat. Like it 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 flowed in a way that made sense. Now, and to, directly about Joss Whedon, I uh, Avengers two sucked. Like it was really bad. Um, it used. I was to about be, to ask that. I was just about to ask your opinion on Age of Ultra. I was literally just about it, to ask that. It it sits at like I. I, I and I will say I've lost kind of track now of like my top five and lower five other than Avengers one is still up there. But for a long time, Avengers two sat at the bottom of my pile. Um, I really didn't like there were again, they 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 introduced uh, Wanda and Quicksilver. I was like, OK, that's great. Um, there's not. A lot there that I like. Um, yeah. I hate, yeah. Okay. 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 Wait. 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 Okay. So, Age of Ultron, you didn't like. How you feel about Civil War? Because I feel like because it's it's like a de facto of it's an Avengers movie that's just not an Avengers movie, right? Um, so, uh, the the uh, oh my gosh, I forgot his his real name. Um, the actor who plays Sam Wilson was doing an interview and he's like, "This is like Avengers two point five six three two seven Like Anthony Mackie. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Anthony Mackie. Thank you. Um, how he was really like this is this is an Avengers movie, and it really it really basically no, it is yeah, it um, really is yeah. I at the time I didn't like that they rushed into Civil War that they were already doing this like we have this division of Tony Stark and Captain America. I thought there was a couple more stories you could get before you got to that point, um, and so I I just didn't like the the rush of that kind of divisive split, um, but. 
I like the movie. <laughs> and introduce <laughs> no, Spider Man. Introduce Spider Man. You know, we then we get Tom Holland as Spider Man and. Um, yeah, I think Civil War is what Black Panther and Spider Man like yeah, both in both the same them. movie. Yep, first yeah. show up. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, okay, another MCU question because, you know, when COVID hit, yeah, we all kind of stuck in the house a little bit, and on Disney Plus, we kind of got a bunch of like series. How did you feel about those series that that they were putting out? Because I've heard so many mixed. You know, mixed reviews on on, on you know. Could you mention you know season a season two of Wandavision and you know Wandavision? I remember <laughs> very very clearly how some people hated it, some people loved it. Uh, was it um uh the Falcon and Winter Soldier and uh Moon Knight and uh, God I, I, Miss Marvel? I think I, I can't. I'm trying to remember everything off the top of my head. Right. How did you I, feel about those? I do think that this is where I think like the pandemic really impacted their production because I think some things were going to be timed a little bit different and how they were going to be released. And they modified it all around because the pandemic happened. They, they pushed when black widow came and whether or not it was going to be in theaters and it was going to be on um, Disney plus. And then other movies went out of sequence. So it was like, we got WandaVision a, what, a year and a half before we got um, Dr. Strange. And so like some people felt like that that gap of time was too much. Um, but you couldn't plan for what happened with the pandemic. Um, if I look at them as individual properties, I really do like all the shows. Um, uh, that, that being said, like uh, uh, Secret Invasion might not have been my favorite, but I still enjoyed it. It, uh, it. it was what it was. Moon Knight for me was probably my biggest disappointment because I set myself up for failure, like, mm. it, which is weird because you know Disney has owned Marvel now since after the first Iron Man movie. And it was the first time I really felt like, oh, I'm watching a Disney version of a Marvel show. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought I felt it came off a little cartoony. Um, but even then, like I thought the the last episode delivered and did what it needed to do. That it even left open the tease of, oh, wait a minute, there's more here. Um, it it's funny because there were things that have been talked about ever since then like oh moon knight's gonna go into uh thor three because uh or thor love and thunder because there's a god killer and look there's a Khonshu. so like i think sometimes what fans have worked up in their own mind to be the bridging connections of these shows and the movies are really what's starting to set some people up for failure that they're not like enjoying the story and that's supposed to be part of it but i see the point too and it's like okay mcu you need to like retool what you're planning on doing and and drive the ship together. I liked Captain Marvel, uh, the the second one, the Marvels. I really liked it. I thought it had some of the best fight scenes that the MCU has ever done. Um, it didn't deliver. I am some people like I get it. Some people just don't like Brie Larson. Um, there are there there was a campy moment, and not to not to spoil anything, but spoiler alert, I guess for the next like ten seconds. Um, there's a musical sequence in the Marvels that was campy. <laughs> it was supposed to be campy and awkward. That was the whole reason for it to exist. Um, Cause it's supposed to be this really awkward moment for Captain Marvel. It's supposed to be this really awkward moment that you're supposed to feel like I fall. I was like, okay, I get it. It's campy done. And we were out of the sequence. The thing is, is how many movies are we in here? Right. Damn, exactly. you're like over 20. Like you got to do, you're going to do different stuff and see different stuff. And, and that was, you know, early, but still later, like kind of what was cool about, about 
like you said, everything was like its own kind of thing, like a spy movie, a uh, uh, World War II movie. Uh, you know, Thor was the original one was a little bit Shakespearean, and then later on they kind of got funny and a little surreal. Like, yeah, you gotta with something like this, you gotta kind of like throw some a little something, a little bit of everything at everyone, keep things going. So I don't really. I don't know. I don't really mind that at all. I think it's kind of a right. It's a comic book movie. If you can't just go back, sit back, and go like, let's. It's escapism. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. I I have never watched the wrestler all the way through. Um, I am probably not going to see the whoa, Iron Claw movie. Whoa, and, and whoa, whoa! It's too I, much of a personal connection. Exactly. The the wrestler. Okay. When I started watching it, I was like. This is really like following some of the older guys around Philadelphia when I was involved with Pro Wrestling Unplugged. Okay, it no, really, really felt like that. I was like, because there are there are certain movies. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it off air because I don't really talk about <clears throat> what I do on air, but I, yeah, there's certain movies that come out that I'm like, uh, nope, no, thank you. Yeah. And like, so I no, I actually get because I was about to say because when people ask me what my favorite movie is, The Wrestler is my favorite movie, mm-hmm. like that movie's. Fucking amazing! I just the rest, I, the wrestler and the Big Lebowski are my two favorite movies. <laughs> I, I just want to jump in and also say I've never watched the wrestler. I have never, ever watched the wrestler. I have my reasons, but my reasons probably not. I don't know if it's my reasons the same as as Phil's, but uh, I didn't. I've never seen that movie, and I have no desire to watch it. Oh, some of the similar reasons. Some of the reasons I, I might so. watch Iron Claw, but I already know Story. some of the What's factual analysis. Yeah. Like I already know what happens. <laughs> uh, I already know some of the factual inaccuracies of the movie. Um, so it's sort of like you know they kept that one whole brother, <laughs> another brother is there <laughs> for ten seconds. Like you know it's it's uh, things happen in a little bit of a different order, and and they don't address some things. So. I already know it's an entertainment filled biopic and not a real biography and not a real like, hey, this is for fun. And again, I like my movies to be a little bit more escapism. So it isn't a criticism. So, of and I kind of get it because I, uh, I'm actually, I do actually do a, aside from all the stuff that me and True, True Good do, um, I actually do a history podcast too. And uh, I'm a history major and good friends with a guy who's a published author and a professor and stuff. And, um, history stuff it goes that way too like if you come in knowing the events and knowing what the characters that's the biggest thing for me is the people in the movie who are represented if you have a characterization of them in your head and then that characterization doesn't play out on the screen it could be really really disappointing um so so yeah no i get it i get it i get it um moving on a bit so did you uh were were you at all hooked into because you know you started off about the same time as i did it sounds like um so any thoughts on the new generation era 94 95 96 anything that stands out to you during that era i'm trying to remember when if 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 one two three kid was yes that feels like more the beginning of like 93 maybe yeah 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 um well he was around through 94 95 too yeah yeah um but i remember just I remember I, I enjoyed that time. Um, I mean, I was also a big WCW fan. I, and I could I could see the difference. Um, my my first, well, the first live wrestling event I ever went to was one I worked on. Um, and then the first major one I went to, like a televised one, was WCW. And so low-key secret. 
I talk about it's one of my favorite things to talk about with people on Twitter who like really dig into the older wrestling. 93 and 94 before Hogan got there, WCW fucks. It's <laughs> so good. Like it's so damn good. So many of my favorite shows are from 93, 94, basically from right around the time Ron Simmons wins the belt all the way yeah. through. Like is so damn good in WCW. Um, and like Vader was at his absolute yeah. apex, like Sting was at his apex. Like, there's so much good shit in that little era right before Hogan came in. Um, and I absolutely like, the build for Hogan to be there was forever because he had left WWE, he was doing Thunder in Paradise. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't in WCW <laughs> yet. And it was like, but you knew he was coming. Like, yeah. Um, I mean, even in the burgeoning days of the internet at that point, like you were getting tidbits of, of information that your sons were like, what's happening? But I remember the takeaway at the time was, because uh, then I eventually did go to a Raw, and I was like, WCW felt like a television taping. It felt like I was sitting there. Yeah. I was the live crowd. I was the live studio audience. But WWE, it was like, wow, there's interaction. Because they, like, here's the local radio DJ. Um, okay, that's cool. Warming up the crowd, and they were doing the shooting the t-shirts into the crowd. Um <laughs> and like WCW oddly in person felt a little colder to me. Mm -hmm. Um now fast forward and WWE doesn't do as much interaction as they used to because they don't yeah. really push it that much anymore. Um but I remember that being just a really stark difference. Um oddly enough that first show uh the first WCW I went to was uh up in Baltimore was at the Baltimore Arena and um I went through the back door. I'd never been to the arena before. I didn't know where to go. Um and like I walked through like the private security door to go backstage, basically. Nobody stopped me. There was a security guy who, like just didn't even like <laughs> glance at me. And then like it took me a moment because I, I I I was like, well, there's Ray Mysterio and like these people over here. Huh. I don't think this is where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> um, so that uh that happened to me, another uh kind of local, localish spot. They're at the 2300 arena a lot here lately. I'll let everybody guess which one it was. Well, it wasn't their fault. It was the guys who was working at the 2300. Um, anybody who knows me in person, a little bit can tell over the Zoom, I'm a fairly large person. So I come walking up. It's summertime. I'm in the tank top. And I'm like, I'm, it's the first time I've ever been to the 2300. So I didn't know that like the build, you know, you, you line up and it kind of like wraps around the outside of the building. So I was kind of like, kind of looking around a little bit. Like, what do I do? Cause I was early. And one of the guys grabs me. He's like, Oh, you, you come in here. And I was like, okay, cool. It was one of the security guards. And I stop and I look around and I just say, uh, I'm not supposed to be here. And I walked back. <laughs> yeah, that is quite a feeling and a shared experience. <laughs> I wanted to jump in about this WCW thing because I, I, I agree with Phil uh, in terms of how I felt. And like I was a kid and the first WCW event was at the, I went as uh, one at the Baltimore arena. It was Super Brawl five. Oh yeah. I want to say they used to love that fucking building. WCW Hogan, used to be there all the Hogan time. Hogan Invader. I want to say it was Hogan yeah. Invader main event. And on I'll the, never on the, this. on the intro to the show, if you look it up on Peacock, that show mm -hmm. they have a bunch of shots of Baltimore. Like they have a shot of the aquarium, they have a shot at the inner harbor, they have a shot like all this it's cool because it's like all this stuff. Cause I'm I'm not that far, I'm like 30 minutes from Baltimore. Um, and it's just all these cool, like iconic places, like right down there in downtown Baltimore. And they open with like a bunch of shots of them. 
And, and what I remember the most from that show, because I, I think it's funny you guys are telling a telling the story, because I had a family member that worked at the arena and the show was like still going on and they were security and they they got me a seat and I was sitting there and they came and got me and I walked, I was walking with him and I run into Hulk Hogan and Macho Man <laughs> having what looks like a argument. <laughs> like, I don't know if they were talking about what they were going to do or something. And I walked by and I was like, oh man, there's Hulk Hogan and there's Macho Man Randy Savage. And I had a WCW magazine and I walk up to Hulk Hogan. And I was like, hey man, can you sign this? And he's he looks like you're short kid. And he takes it and he signs it. And Macho Man looks at me and says, You want my you want my autograph? I was like, Yeah. And so I took it. And and they were, but it was it was the way they looked at me after I walked off. I was just like, I clearly interrupted something I wasn't supposed to. But the reason why I, I brought that up is because a year later, uh WWF was in town. And I want to say it was Shawn Michaels and Diesel cage match might have been a house show. Okay. And I was there with uh, my, my family member that worked security prior to the show. And I was just kind of walking around with them. And, and there was like Triple H, there's Shawn Michaels. I think there's Mark Marrow and like Savio Vega. And they're all just kind of sitting around a ring. And that was the first time that I found out like what wrestling was i guess got smart that got sense. smartened up brother yeah like like i was a i was a kid and i was like hey man like why are y'all sitting around talking like and and they kind of just talked to me while i was standing there and i'm kind of walking around my, my cousin in security and and like if like i almost felt like it was a big difference because with wcw every time i went to a show it was very closed off mm. but Every WWF show, even behind the scenes as a kid, just kind of getting a, you know, they were like, hey, hey, come here, you know, come here. And, you know, I wish I wish I could find the pictures, but like, you know, my mom used to have pictures of me like sitting in the ring and like I had the WWF replica belts and they were giving me stuff. And it was so welcoming. I I like and like you said, it don't doesn't feel that way anymore. <laughs> but back then it was just like it's business was it was so it was so great to have two separate companies that had two separate i guess ideals and in, in, in how they carried themselves mm -hmm. and i think today it's it's interesting uh having having worked for work work with one of the major companies it's interesting because the personable feeling is sort of still there if it, you know it's kind of like it, it, it flipped where if depending on who you know in, in AW, it's very personable. You can be, you know, I've I've got to work media, I've got to be, you know, where WWE, it's like it's a it's a process. <laughs> and yeah. it is not as, you know, but but I it just it's just so interesting that you brought that up. And I wanted to ask just to kind of switch switch gears a little bit. The Shamrock, the Shamrock Cup has been something in MCW that's been it's, it's like a like a kind of like your calling card because I've been to several of those. Do you have like a personal favorite that you've seen where just everything just kind of flowed together perfectly? That's a really good question. Um, of the Shamrock Cups themselves, or just yes. Oh wow. Um. <laughs> um. I'm 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 laughing at something I shouldn't laugh at. Um, uh -oh. <laughs> because 
you know, being backstage, you you know things that go wrong, yeah. and, and that shouldn't have happened the way they happened. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, this last Shamrock Cup, Leo Rush got hurt, um, in the first round of the tournament, um, mm. and so that caused some rearranging, um, uh, of, of things for the tournament, um. Was it, I can't remember if it was this past. I think it was this past year. Um, Jack Cartwheel was one of the entrants, and I had never seen him before. Um, I had known, and I had known of him, but hadn't really like watched a lot of his stuff. And I was, I was blown away. I was like, "Can we have him back, please?" Like, I started talking to other promoters about him. Like, he, he's one of those guys that like just really stood out. Um, and I thought like he needs to be that guy. Leo Rush winning was very special because you knew Leo was going somewhere else. Like you, you knew he was ramping up for success somewhere else, um, and at that time, uh, you know, uh, knowing what we know now, uh, you know, Bruiser, who was his trainer at MCW, um, was the one who gave him the trophy at the end of the night, and then um, Bruiser has now since passed, and so looking back on that, that means something a little bit different now, um, yeah, and and Leo was very much part of the MCW family. He was there this last weekend, um. And, awesome. and so he's he very much um is has part of his heart is connected to MCW. And so like seeing how much he wants he wants to give back um is is important. I think that that just speaks to like the kind of connection that he made there that MCW made to him. Um and it's always good to see Leo. <laughs> no, no. Leo is great, man. Leo is is great, and I, I and I want to answer that question just because like every time I see the advertisements for the Shamrock Cups and and all that stuff like that, you know, it it always makes me like want to go into <laughs> the shows because I think one of the first shows, uh, MCW shows I went to, was the Shamrock Cup, and I was supposed to go. I want to say like a year ago or something like that. I think, um, I think you guys were gonna get another friend of the show, uh, Montezzi, was supposed to come and like perform or something like would be a part of it. And, you know, we were supposed to all get together and I think I had surgery, like literally like a, like a couple of weeks prior to that. And uh, so I didn't get a chance to go. But you guys have a, a lot. You guys do a lot. Like I was telling I was telling somebody a, like a, a while ago, I was like, man, MCW feels like they have an event like every other week. <laughs> like if, if not every week, like there's seasons beatings, there's the Sharon Cup, there's the, like you guys, because I know uh, you guys have something coming up on February 4th. Uh, I, I, I do know that. Um, I know you got the, just the, the, you had the fan jam, right? I believe mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going off memory and fan jam. I know we'll think, you guys have Matt Riddle is supposed to be on there. You got uh, Brian so Idol. That, like that whole weekend. So we're actually doing two live um, events, third and fourth. Third will be in Hollywood, Maryland, which is in Southern Maryland. And then the fourth will be in Joppa, Maryland. And then during the day on the fourth, so before the live event, we're, we have the fan jam. So um, we'll have Dolph Ziggler. You mentioned Brian Idol's going to be there. Andrade is going to be there. Um, uh, um not Andrade. I am so sorry. Um, um, Alberto Del Rio. Um, uh, Rodrigo is uh, is going to be there as well. Uh, uh, Ricardo, I mean, um, and he is now the owner of Three Legacies Wrestling up in Pennsylvania, um, oh, wow. which is also doing amazing events up up their way. Um, 
and so uh, I'm, I'm forgetting everybody now else who's going to be at Fan Jam. Um, but it's going to be just an amazing, amazing day. Um, and then you have a live event at night that you can come and and participate with. When is the when is the next Shamrock Cup? Um, it won't be until summer. Um, okay. So, it's July, usually, right? so it's in the summer. Yeah. yeah. I think it's yeah. July. I think it's usually okay. July. If I'm so correctly. typically it was July, and it was sort of like if you had to compare MCW to like a television show, it was like our mid season finale because yeah. um, it, <laughs> the building previously did not have an HVAC system. And so we, oh. it was so expensive to, we would get these like air conditioning units that we would rent um, to try to pump in cool air. And it was so expensive. And then it was like, we're not doing anything else in that building for the rest of summer. And so we would be off for like two months. Um, and so that has changed because now we have air conditioning in the building. Um, yes. uh, and so, uh, yeah, so we'll be back uh, or July, we'll have the Shamrock Cup. Um, and that's back on pace with what we used to do before the pandemic. When we came back from the pandemic, we uh, sort of uh, put one together. I think it was in like October um, and then got back on pace with July. So it'll be in July. We might have to come down. Um, Attitude Era memories. Were you still plugged in during the Attitude Era? Ooh, I was. Um, it's so funny because like um, that's when I found like more friends who were into wrestling. Okay. Um, well, yeah, because that was it right. was cool. Yeah. Um, and I didn't where I live, there was no television channel and our cable station didn't run ECW. So it was like really the first way I was trying to find other content like online. Um, and I had a friend who would get all of the ECW pay-per-views. So that was like that was my like interesting way in. And so like now and again when they would tease ECW on WWE, it was like, oh, this is cool. Um Yeah, yeah. Uh Though I don't know why like, this is coming to my mind because I think randomly the Rock and Roll Express worked on a Raw during the Attitude Era. Yes, like, yes, they which did. Seems like yes, counterintuitive. Because there was the a Attitude whole era. there was a whole Smoky Mountain thing. Like, yeah, I I think it might have even been separate from that. They would just because that was Cornette was working backstage and booking a lot of it, so he still had the connections with those guys and still had a, a, a foot in that area. Yeah. So yes, they absolutely did. Um. But in my brain, I skip a lot straight to the Monday Night Wars. Like, like yeah, attitude there, Monday Night Wars, because like, of course, the tank, like that always is like, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, and it's funny because the night that no, I shouldn't say funny, but the night that on WCW that they gave away the finish of Mankind's match on WWE because WWE was pre-taped, um, I missed it because I was flipping back and forth. So I was actually flipped on WWE when they had said it, um. And I just remember that, like, channel flipping, because that's all you did on a Monday night. Like, yeah, went back yeah, yeah. between the two stations, or I would record one on a VCR in my bedroom and then, like, watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, same thing I used to do. Yep. Um, Everybody who comes on here, basically everyone, you're, like, the first one who didn't say this. Nostalgia hour. They always go to the Ruthless Aggression there. So, they'd all be very upset. If I didn't get a couple of ruthless aggression memories from you while we're doing a nostalgia hour interview, oh, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember like the exact period of the ruthless aggression. So what did we decide? It was like uh, it was oh, WrestleMania two-ish. 17, yeah, WrestleMania 17 through to uh, I'm trying to remember the pipe the... bomb. <laughs> No, no, yeah, through I've... to PG. It was so it was like through to WrestleMania 22, probably. Gotcha. 
my I'm blending a little bit because I feel like yeah at that time 17 was I didn't like 17 as a pay-per-view that much um, oh wow and I'm, and I'm to, that is a blazing hot I'm, take I break it down be, I might be blending a little bit like I'm you know now I'm at that point like oh my gosh I've had so many pay-per-views um was that was it out I feel like it was outdoor and it felt like disconnected for some reason like either sound was wonky or like the visual was too cloudy. Yeah, 17, like was 17 was in the, uh, in the Astrodome. That was uh, Austin and rock. Okay. And everybody oh. fucking loves it. Um, so you might be talking about a 19, I think 19 okay. was outdoors. Yeah. But that is very much ruthless aggression era. Now it's a uh, Kurt Angle and, and Brock Lesnar uh, is outdoor in a really big arena. It's probably the one you're talking about It's 19. Gotcha. Okay. Which, which, which is heat with me because it's my favorite WrestleMania. But <laughs> so, um, what, what about that era? It's not really didn't really hit with you. It's not that it didn't hit. I just can't. I, 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 I blend it all together, like you said. Like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The times all start to overlap. Like, um, I remember this is when I, I'm, I've been very fortunate that in my wrestling life, I've done a lot of different things with a lot of different companies, including working backstage. And so, like, I start to recognize certain production things. Oh, and, yeah. oh yeah, and oh, the yeah. night they introduced Chris Jericho, um, they potted. Well, first, I think there was only two matches the entire night before they got to Chris Jericho, and they potted down the gain of the crowd. And I was like, why does it feel like it's muted? And then out comes Jericho, huge eruption, and the audio is now suddenly crystal clear and loud. And that's when I, I realized or learned, like, oh, wait a minute, WWE's playing with your with the sound. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. How they get reactions. And they, I mean, they do it to this day. Oh, um, yeah. And and so, um, and if you, and it, any of you did like Thunderdome, you, it was very much piped in then, but it, it's still even during regular live events now with crowds, they were, they were manipulating it that way. Um, I mean, The Rock was a, a blast of fun. Like, you can't deny that The yeah. Rock oh, yeah. was yeah. like, yeah. Um, I, I mean, watching Mankind from, like, uh, Mick Foley and, w, and World Class and USWA up through, like, becoming Mankind and after having a stop at WCW, like, that was just amazing to see. And I remember, like, he was on, like, a Survivor Series prediction I made one time as a kid because I was just like, uh, he's going to be there as Mick Foley on like the team of the undertaker. And everyone's like, no, he would, he's not the guy that's going to go to the WWE. Certainly as hell would to the WWE. One of the uh, top 10 WWE superstars of all time. Right. Absolutely. Um, I'm a big, sh as, as, as goofy as he could be, I am still a Shane McMahon fan in the Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hey, there was a long time, a long time, and and this has only really changed because the WWE style has changed. But for a long time, when Shane McMahon was gonna have a match, you knew you were about to see something fucking crazy, right. like something some crazy shit. For my money, that one of arguably the craziest modern match ever, other than King of the Ring '98, is is Shane McMahon against Kurt Angle. Mm -hmm. Like that's it's it's nuts and bouncing off that glass so no 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 shame it man and that's i think where people get lost and we're gonna about you know this is a good segue to what we're about to i was about to get into for our probably last segment is um you know the psychology of wrestling with the way people look at it um shaming man is a great was a great performer 
Mm-hmm. The point is to leave people captivated, to leave them emotionally invested, to leave them leaving your segment like, wow, like I'm going to remember that. You know what I'm saying? To get them to sink in and kind of forget where they are. And you always got that out of Shane McMahon. He always had everybody on the edge of their seat. He was the flying trapeze of the circus, of the different circus acts. Like you would ooh and ah, edge of your seat. Holy shit, what's about to happen? The whole time he was out there. So there's nothing wrong at all with saying that you definitely, especially in those days, enjoyed Shane McMahon as a performer. Um, but there were so many people, like just that whole locker room. Like you had Taz. Um, yeah. You had uh, God, I mean the Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys. Um, the Dudleys were there. Like them together just did also amazing things. Um, I'm blending on how I feel about Big Show because I always thought they made more fun of him than treated him like a serious threat in WWE. Um, he had some moments too, though. <laughs> right. But him coming over to WWE was like, oh, no. Huge deal. Yeah, that was a holy shit moment. Absolutely. Um, Tough Enough came out. Like, so, you know, as, <laughs> as reality TV was bur- burgeoning in our world, now in comes the wrestling version of, of the real world. Um, and, like, that was always cool uh, to be at that at that point in time. Have you ever heard that? Uh, we're talking about Mick Foley in that era and Taz. Awesome fucking debut, by the way. Taz coming out, Madison Square Garden, make a fucking mm-hmm. pop, holy fucking shit. So have you ever heard that story that McFoley tells about Taz's debut? I don't think I have. So Kurt Angle, just imagine. Kurt Angle is talking to McFoley. So Taz is like, you know, an ECW entity. He has this reputation. He broke Taz, he broke Sabu's neck. He's a bad motherfucker, et cetera, et cetera. Kurt Angle is talking to Mick Foley before he goes out there in Gorilla, and he says, you know, what if, uh, you know, what if, because he has a rep, and, like, nobody really knows him, yeah. like, personally, and so he's like, what if, you know, what if he, like, cinches up on me? What if he, and, and Mick Foley looks at him, and he says, uh, Kurt, isn't that, like, kind of your thing? Right. <laughs> Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle. Olympic gold, or Olympic medalist Kurt Angle was concerned if Taz was going to shoot on him. So that just tells you the type of rep that Taz had at the time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one of the personal appreciations I always had for Taz as a gentleman of shorter stature was I also competed in judo, which he also had a judo background. So, like, I always had that, like, connection. Like, I I, I – Still to this day, sometimes we'll throw a good kata hajime. So like, uh, Taz is a personal is a personal favorite. Um, you know, seeing him almost choke out Crash Holly, legit, in a match once that that may have happened and I popped for. Um, which I remember <laughs> I remember watching it like, huh, he doesn't have any color in his face. I don't know what's happening. And then yeah. later, later to hear an interview about like Taz and Crash Holly didn't get along, and that might have been a receipt for something that happened like years before. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So so with all that, great, great memories, what was your journey to crossing over from uh, the front of the screen to behind the screen, um, getting into the business? Um, Tell us that. So like I said, I was, a fan of, I was a fan of WWE and WCW. And so I wrote as a kid, I wrote to them saying like, I think kids should be wrestling. I don't understand why like they're, why aren't we there? <laughs> And and I got a response back from WCW. I got um, two letters. <laughs> um, they basically were the same thing. It was it was sort of like um, 
you know, hey kid, listen, that's a great idea, but you know, typically you have to be 18. You also have to be trained by our book on recommended pro wrestling training places, which I did not buy. I should have bought. Um, because now I'm really curious like who they would have put yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, that'd have been really cool. Yeah. Um, but uh so like I I wanted to, but I also then knew super early, oh, you have to go tr- get trained for this. Um, and so like then I started to look up like what's training involved, what is what does that mean? What's around me? What isn't around me? Um, and so, uh, when I first made the connection to a company, um, I mean, it was four hours away. Um, I knew I wasn't going to get trained there. So I was like, I just want to, you know, learn the business. Um, and I made the decision. Um, I had to pay for one or the other, either, either training or going to college. And it was either way it was going to come from my own pocket. So I made the decision, well, let me go to I'm going to go to college first and pay for that. And then, you know, cause goodness forbid, if I go in my wrestling life and something happens <laughs> neck surgery, um, then yeah. I want to have something I can fall back on financially. And so, um, like I said, the first event I ever went to, I worked on. And so that I worked backstage for this company up in Pennsylvania. And then I made a connection to somebody a little closer in Virginia, uh, cue ball Carmichael, um, who used to run a company over in Alexandria, Virginia and worked backstage for him. And he was training people. I mean, he trained people like, Christian York and Joey Matthews. And so that would have been a great guy to learn from. And unfortunately, at the same time, I was like, I don't have money and I'm paying for college at the time. Um, and it, so it was like, I wanted to be involved and I wanted to make sure it was the kind of business I wanted to be involved. Cause you know, certainly even then you were hearing like the rumors of the, of different bad behaviors. And it's like, that really what I want to be a part of. And I didn't see that. I really didn't. Um, and so I was like, all right, I feel comfortable. Um, and then uh, I'm, uh, when I was in college, I got misdiagnosed with a precancerous condition. Oh, um, shit. So the, the doctor messed up. Um, and that was like, well, I'm going to go do training now because it's going to be now or never. And then like a month and a half into training, found out that I didn't have this precancerous condition. Um, it was like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> but then by that point, I was already down that path and I was already making it work with with school and, and going to wrestling school. Um and that sort of started the path and then um, just continued from there. It's awesome. So what now that you've, so did you end up, um, did you end up being in the ring a little bit before oh, yeah. kind of transitioning to the, to the position, to stuff you do now? Yeah. Um, I know it looks like, so it looks like still you, you jump in there sometimes still uh, as it is, but um, any, any, any good, any good stories from your, how long were you active at like full-time active in the ring? Um. I mean, about 16 years, maybe. Okay, okay. Um, and and what finally started to slow me down was I was having, um, it it would start as like, oh, I have a, a crick in my neck. Like, just like would feel like a fist just dra- driving right into the intersection of my neck and shoulder. And it started to grow and grow and grow and finally got all the way down into my hand. Um, it got to the point where if, if you've ever held your hand over a candle and that sort of quick searing pain you get, I had that from my neck until like my mid arm and it would last hours. Um, and so uh, finally I, I, uh, I got five different opinions cause I was scared to death. Um, I ended up having to get neck surgery. Um, so I have my, I have the, I have the exact same edge surgery. I got spinal stenosis, um, fusion C5, C6, C7. Um, and so that was like, all right, I have to change things up. But by that point, I had already been doing some work backstage for some places. 
Um, I had already transitioned to being known as the president of wrestling. And so it was like, well, I'm going to lean heavier to that. So then it was like for a dozen promotions, I became the authority figure. Um, and I'm still the authority figure at a, num at a number of them, MCW, Wrestling Revolver, IW East Coast. So um, that has sort of opened this other door that I didn't know would really be there per se. Um, and it's funny because since the surgery, I've been involved in more main events than I was before the surgery. Um, but it's also a little harder sometimes to get that door open because, oh, well, you're just a talker. I like I, I remember yeah. I would get somebody. Uh, there was this one company that literally was like, why why should I bring you in when I literally have two guys down the street that they might suck, but they'll do it for free. And it's like, well, because I don't suck and I also do marketing and I also do this and I also do yeah. that. And I also have this experience and these connections. Oh, well, well, we can't afford to bring you in at this time. So um, <laughs> and and then fast forward, like I remember during the pandemic, I, I did uh, a Facebook live show that was just like the indie wrestling party. And I would showcase matches from different companies and i showcased a match from this company and the commentators were so bad i stopped shit sir. yeah i stopped match and apologized um for how bad they were and i was like i have no association with them i don't even know their names this was bad and so disrespectful to the two people who were in the ring yeah. i mean i mean it's one thing if you're like like they, they made it was very much a commentary where they were talking about themselves and so like they were talking about getting high um oh no, no no and then like they started talking about uh smoking someone's fecal matter and i'm like what is happening right now um and you had like rohit roju was it versus mickey knuckles maybe in the in imagine i'm like if either one of these two heard you they would beat you senseless um uh, with with cause right and it's crazy to me because i i respect and like kind of i mean i'm kind of fascinated with the entire thing uh with the entire concept of of the commentary table because those are you know I, one of my personal passions is research one of my personal passions is putting other people over and elevating other people in like all walks of life so like that to me just sounds so fucking cool to to learn everything about every guy and like what's your move and like what's your back and like what do you want me to talk about what do you want da, 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 da. and then and then like just crush it kill it and have those two guys come out or gals come out better at the end than when they started like that's amazing that's such a cool cool fucking cool concept to me um so yeah those guys deserve to get their asses beat you're damn right to <laughs> to to slow things down and stop it speaking of of neck <laughs> of the neck surgery and commentary did you ever see um because you were trying to talk about wcw in this area one of the funniest one of my favorite wrestling clips of all time is when brian pillman was doing the loose cannon thing and he comes out of the crowd and he grabs Bobby Heenan right after Bobby Heenan. I like endlessly told everybody like, don't fucking touch my neck. Don't fucking touch my neck. And on air, he's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Have you ever seen that from Clash of the Champions I, WCW? Yeah. Yeah. This is the fucking best. So, uh, so give us a, can you give us a, a story from a match? Cause I got, I got a pop quiz. I got a question for you after this. Oh, no. Cause I love to, I love to ask the wrestlers um, just what do you, what would you do in this, in this situation? Um, but you first, do you, do you have a story you can tell us from your, from your in ring, in ring days? That's a fun one. Um, uh, so uh, I was at a company called AWF mid Atlantic down in North Carolina. And I'm having a feud with, with, be careful not to say names. It'll be good today. I have a feud with guy A, and I'm going to be wrestling his tag team partner. And they they show up very late to the venue. Like, 
I want to say it was like maybe 10, 15 minutes before bell. Um, and they're very high, very, very, very high. Mm. And I, I mean, I have dragged people through matches before and I, I felt like I literally dragged him through a match. Um, and so, uh, and the finish was like, I wouldn't really actually, I, I put him in a, in a test mission, wouldn't let go of the test mission. And so his partner his tag partner comes in who I'm feuding with. And then we get into a fight. The next thing I know, and this was not known to me and it was certainly not known to this kid, the promoter and another guy jump into the ring and start kicking his ass. And I'm like, what's happening? And I just jump out of the ring. I'm like, I don't know what's happening right now. And they wanted to make a special point to him. Like you, you know, you showed up in the condition you were, you showed up late. Um, and now we're, and basically the promoter just out loud, like made, uh, made a fool of him, um, in front of everybody. And I was like, oh my God, in the middle of it, (laughs) in the middle of it, because the promoter didn't like straight out, like totally bury him, like in a, in a way, like he did it in a way that like, we knew this was a punishment, but to the crowd, like, it just looked like, oh, these bad guys are beating up these good guys. And so um, he came out with a tra- like a trash can, like an uh, aluminum trash can, and hit him with the lid a couple times. And the lid had fallen on the floor. And so I felt bad <laughs> once I figured out what, kind of what was going on. And so I put the I put the guy in like a uh, a triangle choke. And this fan who I don't know how he was able to walk, like 70, 80 years old, didn't really look, <laughs> like looked like he knew what he, where he was at grabs a trash can lid off the floor and starts yelling at the promoter and throws the trash can lid to try to throw it at the promoter and he frisbees it into the head of the guy who I have in the triangle choke. Oh shit. And I was like, oh my God, what is happening right now? <laughs> I let him go after that. <laughs> Just... Wow. So so this is gonna sound a little bit subtle when I first say it, but okay. when you think about it for a second. Because so when it happened, I was like, oh, that's that's fucking crazy. But then as a couple minutes go by, I'm like, oh shit, what are we what are they gonna do? I was at a show where there was a casket match mm-hmm. and the fucking lid ripped off the casket. Like the hinges broke. Interesting. So then what do you do? How do you end a casket match with no fucking lid? <laughs> Could you just reseat it? I mean, I mean, you're not. I'm not talking about like rescrewing in the hinges and stuff, but like yeah. I would put the other person in the casket and then just take that section and just plop it back on. <laughs> so, like in real time, yeah, you'd have to figure that out. Right. So they, I think the guy he ended up. So there was like a lot going on. So like he tried to like bear hug the lid and kind of like shimmy onto the apron so he could drop and like, but it was like, hey, it was a real, it was a real fucking casket. So like it wasn't, the lid wasn't light or like easy to fucking handle. (laughs) So well, there you go though. You got it right. You have to try and figure out a way to just flop it flat on there. (laughs) But for a second, you could see everyone, like the wrestlers, everyone in the crowd was like, Oh fuck! What are they gonna do? <laughs> I, the, one of the biggest points of contention that some people have had or have made lately, I've seen like when AW does like a ladders match, like the the ref is holding the ladder very blatantly. I'm like, one WWE has done it too, but but I I remember being in a ladder match and the 
ladder was broken because it was the only ladder. <laughs> and, oh man! And it was like, ref, you need to hold this. I'm not. I'm not gonna hold it. And I'm like, you have to hold it. Like it literally. Or I'm not gonna stand. make it. Yeah. Like, it cannot stand by itself. And in my little five foot eight arms are not gonna reach this belt that's hanging from the top of the ceiling. Like, hold the ladder. <laughs> so any uh, influences? You know, obviously you mentioned Taz. Um, sounds like a lot of that move. You know, that's so cool. Like doing the doing the judo chokes and the in the in the shorter guy, the pit bull thing. Like that's just dope. Um, other other influences, other like, hey, I want to pattern myself kind of after uh, after that guy as you were coming. And also in this new role, like, is there anything that that, that you patterned old wrestlers, anything like that? Sure. I mean, definitely. Like I, you know, I picked a picked apart pieces from other wrestlers. Um. And I don't know how much your independent wrestling knowledge goes in this area, but like Reckless Youth. Um, oh, yeah. Is, oh, yeah. One of my favorite wrestlers ever. And like, love like the technique he did and the style he had. Like, probably, that's, probably that's, like, that's one of the goats, man. I can't, right. yeah. I, I, if I'm hosting a podcast, I better fucking know who Reckless Youth is. Yeah. yeah. Baby Phil Stamper in wrestling, like, probably wore clothing that might have been very similar to Reckless Youth, even. Like, and I was okay with that. Like I, 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 and I did it in a way it was on my own and like, didn't like associate. Yeah. It, but yeah. was, was a huge fan of, uh, of reckless youth. Um, and it's funny. Cause like, even during, as time has progressed, like now and again, I'm like, Oh, I like this. Oh, I like that. Oh, I like this. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, you can watch Shawn Michaels and the way he can turn a match around is amazing. Um, and you can see it and how it comes together. I mentioned Eric Embry and like, the way he he was this baby face was getting fired up and getting mad and he was in a feud with a manager like it's funny i i barely remember some of the wrestlers that were in the stable but i remember the manager and him having the feud mm -hmm. um and and now that i've transitioned more in into being the president of wrestling it was never intended to be a mimic of the person in the big house in dc it was supposed to be more of no i'm in charge it's like triple h is the authority figure Okay. Um, like I am running this place. Um, not so much a political satire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my favorite um was I, I think I mentioned the last nostalgia hour we did it was from that era. It wasn't Triple H. It was um somebody who I feel is very underrated as uh, Stephanie. Um, and she did the night after they had the big Survivor Series match, and you know Triple H and Stephanie were supposed to be out of the country, out of the company. She cuts this this promo. That is like so sappy and like I hope you all had a wonderful holiday with your families and like <laughs> they just no Stephanie's so good at like showing ass when the the appropriate time comes. Um, is that something? Is that art? Because I'm 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 assuming the the president of wrestling is probably somewhat of a maligned figure. Uh, maybe maybe a little bit of a heel. Um. Is it depends that on the place MCW? I yeah. am well loved. I am well okay. Loved okay, um, that, is, that cannot be say, say uh, that cannot be said for the same at other places. Uh, wrestling revolver, uh, so sh showing ass has got to be just so much fun, right? It is that... happens. I mean, that's part of that's part of the fun. That is part of yeah. the fun. Uh, I mean, maybe about a month ago, it resulted in me getting um, um, skewers in my head, but yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the picture was awesome. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it, it's part of the fun. And now like in a very different way, I'm still in front of the camera, but I get to work with the crowd differently. Yeah. Um, and get them hooked in and give them energy or help redirect where their energy is going, um, without them really realizing it. 
Um, and so like, and you know, MCW especially is, is one of those places that I've, that I've really taken away and learned a lot about. It's about the crowd and they need to be the focus sometimes and to put it back onto them um, and have that interplay because that really means so much. And of course it was always there in my wrestling life, but like having to reimagine it um, as a talker and as a mouthpiece and as an authority figure and how you present yourself because me as Phil Stamper can be goofy all day long if I want to sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, me as Phil Stamper in my office life away from wrestling is I lead a department and like I, I as a responsible authority figure. And so like, how does that all translate into wrestling? When are those times that, you no, know, you have to be serious. You have to be angry. Um, it's funny because uh, I, I, there's a few people in, in, in MCW who like, when I get mad, they know I'm mad. <laughs> and they're like, we didn't think you, you, you would ever get mad. <laughs> and they know it. Um, cause I let it read. Cause it has to read it, Like, you shouldn't be like, why is he laughing when he's supposed to be, pissed off right now like it has to be able to be translated for this crowd so what uh tell us what mcw has coming up um so we mentioned it before we have those two events that are coming up at the beginning of february february 3rd and 4th february 3rd at the hollywood volunteer fire department in hollywood maryland and then the fourth um during the day will be the fan jam so the fan autograph signing convention and then in the evening will be a live event in joppa maryland that's phenomenal, as was the president of professional wrestling, Phil Stamper, MCW Pro Wrestling. Thank you so very kindly for jumping on here with us, man. This was absolutely phenomenal. Thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate it. I'm a certified lyrical genius. Every 16, I'ma make it prestigious. Never egregious. No, it's not another. The flow is Booker T. Can you dig it? Sucker. This is more than just a fire verse in my universe. My trick might have such a true search of something in his universe. It might have worse because fire works. Methods that could truly hurt. But who reversed the path you want? Just know that we did fire first. Can I disperse? Let me get back to business. My vision isn't clear, but through the lens, my passion witness. I speak.